Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Mark Walters. Before we get to Mark, here's a few announcements. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you'll find photos of our guests. You can find stories that they've written, some stories that I've written. You can find links to their social media. You can find links to our social media. And that is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. You can find links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. We're also on iHeartRadio and Spotify, basically wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on one of those services, I ask you, as always, to please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show, boost our presence there, maybe say a few nice things. Doesn't cost you nothing. That's good English. Doesn't cost you nothing. Ooh, boy. Also, maybe you think you'd be right for the show, or you know someone that might be right for the show and make a good guest. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com, and let me know. Let's get down to it right now. This episode is coming out a little late, and I apologize for that. So I had this interview with Mark Walters scheduled earlier in the week, and I had an emergency call from my cruise agent saying they had to fly me out to Hawaii a couple days earlier, or a day earlier than I was supposed to fly out. And I'm not going to get into why, but uh, there it is. The problem is, once you're on a cruise ship, the Wi-Fi is iffy at best. So I like to get all my interviews in the can, as they say in the biz, before I leave town, and certainly before I board a ship. And leaving early kind of screwed up our planned interview. But as fate would have it, Wi-Fi on the ships have gotten a little bit better. And in port especially, when a lot of the uh, passengers are on shore... The internet is not getting overloaded and slow. So while we're in port here in Maui, I am missing the port right now, so I could interview Mark Walters via Zoom, and it worked out fine. So you're welcome. This is the kind of sacrifice I make for you people. But although it came late, I got to meet Mark Walters, and that's a good thing for me because I enjoyed our conversation. Mark is a very successful YouTuber and travel blogger, been in the game over a dozen years, and I found out he's a professor of marketing at the University of Illinois, my sister's alma mater. And when he's not doing that, he's traveling the world and shooting it on video and giving helpful tips of what to do and what to not do, what you should see, what you can skip, that kind of stuff. All helpful information if you happen to be going somewhere or you're just interested about a place. So we talk a little bit about marketing because that's his gig and social media and where he sees travel media going, the do's and don'ts of YouTube, the pluses and minuses of all this, and the effect it's having on travel. And then we got to talk about some of his favorite places and uh, tips and things to see and that kind of stuff. So it was a pleasure medium. And if you want to follow him, which I recommend, you can find him pretty much on every format at Walter's World. That's W-O-L-T-E-R-S World. Walter's World. And YouTube is his main thing, but he's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you know, all the uh, avenues that are out there. And check out his videos. He does a great job. He's been around the world quite a bit. He lived a number of years in Europe. He's lived in South America. He knows from which he speaks. 
and I enjoy chatting with him. Uh, just FYI, there was a moment there where my microphone went really low. I don't know why. So a couple questions. My microphone is weird, but it does come back. Just warning you now. Don't want to hear about it later. What do you want from me? I'm on a ship. Please enjoy my conversation with Mark Walters. Mark Walters, how are things in Walters' world? It's going well, my friend. How about you, Mike? Everything going good for you? Yes, I'm in uh, Maui on a ship full of old people that uh, we are... (laughs) Going about about to be five days to sea, and I meant to. I'm sorry, we meant to do this earlier, and uh, I had to leave early. They were worried about b- bad weather, so they flew me out a day early, and uh, it's been fine. Little rain, but yeah. it's been fine. Well, I'm glad we could meet up. Very nice. Yes. Thanks for having me on. Nice to meet you finally. And where are you talking to me from? I am from. I'm in Champaign, Illinois, right now. You're uh, kidding? My day job. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm there. There. I was actually just in Dominican Republic. Got back on Monday. Uh, so we're there having a nice time, and now I'm back in the Midwest. So you live in Champaign. My sister went to U of I. Oh, nice. I'm a, I'm a professor there in my day job. Ah, I got it. Okay, so I went to Northern Illinois. Not to brag. Oh, I, don't nice. pull, I don't want to pull rank on you, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you Northern do you. Illinois. <clears throat> it's very tough getting you are, in there. You are above us. Yeah, we are. Yeah, geographically. <laughs> Academically, uh, not so much. We still love you. It's yeah. Okay. So what are you a professor of? I'm a professor of marketing. Marketing. Okay. But I I would think it was being some kind of like, uh, I don't know, geography or travel related type thing. But uh, Mm -hmm. you you do have a bit of marketing in your site and everything. So tell me, how did you go from a professor of marketing to a travel blogger? So when I was actually doing my PhD, I did my PhD in Portugal and I had some time off and I went to Italy and I ended up... Well, the videos, the videos started from when I was teaching because I was teaching in Portugal and I wanted to help my students learn better. And not everyone was a native speaker or a native speaker letter of level of English. So I started making videos to like of the main topics for exams. So I started making videos for my students. Right. And then I was also um, dating my my now wife. She was my fiance at the time. I started making videos for her on travel stuff, on language, actually Portuguese language, because she was moving to Lisbon to be with me. And so I was like doing like, oh, we're going to learn like the food vocabulary. So I went to the grocery store where we were shopping when she lives there. Like, so she learned that. So, so that's where like the videos kind of started, but the travel stuff really started um, when I was, well, the honest travel, like over the top, we're going to make sure everything's as honest as possible to help people travel Mm -hmm. came about when I was in Italy and I got a, uh, like the equivalent of the AAA guidebook for like Northern Italy. And I got the guidebooks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to here for a few weeks. You know, I got my break between semesters. So I'm going to have a good time, travel around, just stay really explore here. I'll get the guidebook. This town sounded fantastic. I was like, oh, wow. The, pa- the palazzo is amazing. The, muse- the museum's wonderful. Oh, the farmer's market on the square will just change your life. It's an Italian gym. You know, all the mm-hmm. over-the-top BS people put in their blogs and put in their stuff. And so I'm literally like visiting my friends, showing in the book, I'm like, this town sounds great. I need to go here. And my friends whose families have lived in that region for like 500 years are like, huh, I've never been there. But that place sounds fantastic. <laughs> that should have been a red flag right there. So anyway, I go, the museum's closed. You know, like the palace is under reconstruction. The, the, the square to see the market is a parking lot during the week. You know, I'm like, 
what? I'm like, what a load of crap. And I got actually, I didn't get so upset about myself. I got upset because I was like in my late 20s, you know, and doing my PhD. And I was thinking my friends back home in the US who maybe get to go to Europe once in a life, you know, once in their lifetime, or they get that one like vacation. And, you know, we don't get a lot of vacation days in the US. So they said one 10 day vacation to Europe. They'd read this book. They would go to this town because it sounds so wonderful. They spent two of their 10 days. So 20% of your vacation because someone, what, got paid to say something nice. They didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And I, I just still remember coming out of that town going, this isn't right. And I, from that moment on, like, I'll be 100% honest with my videos. I'm going to tell people what they would need to hear, the good and the bad. That's where we start doing, like, the five love and hates to go to different places. The do that We have the don'ts of travel, but most of them are do's, but the don't kind of stuff to have it in a way you can have a, a conversation. And, and that was the thing. Is just, I was just was so upset thinking about my buddies who I know would never get a chance to go to Europe in their lives. Or maybe my, like, I, I took my, my aunt to Europe, her one trip in her entire life. She's 80 years old. She got to Europe one time. I got to take her and I'm like, I'm glad I took her places that I knew were great. So she had a wonderful time because if we would have got a guidebook, I mean, she might not have known the difference. But now that I look back on it, I'm like, that would have been a waste. Like you would have missed out on that. So that, that was one of the things that really had the impetus for me to really focus on making honest travel videos to help as many people as possible travel. So that's what we really try to focus on. So what year were you in Portugal? What, what years were those? So I moved to Portugal in 2006 to start my PhD. I started my first channel. In 2007 on YouTube, 2008, I had another channel. And then Walter's World actually started in 2009. I was in Portugal from 2006 to 2011. And then moved. Then I got, when I finished my PhD, I got a job teaching at the University of Illinois. So that's when I moved to Champaign in 2011. And so we've been here since 2011. And I probably spend, I don't know, five, six months out of the year traveling whenever I can. Okay. So it goes around the uh, the school set schedule? Yeah. Yeah. So you were in Portugal, really. I just got back from there a couple months ago, and I've been there a few times. But you were there before it became this hot new place. I mean, it has been found out. Um, oh yeah, no, and, and you can see uh, the difference. You oh know, yeah, because we go, we go. My, my my youngest son was actually born there, so we go back relatively often, and it's it's just amazing. Every time we go, like, I'm going back this summer to teach there, and you go back, and I'm like, it just you're like, wow, it has changed so much. Because I remember when it started winning, like. European weekend destination of the year, like two or three times in a row. And it went from like a really affordable, cheap place to live and enjoy it to now it's not as cheap as it used to. Be. I mean, it's still affordable, but it's not, it's not cheap. Like it used to be. Um, but also for the locals, like before everywhere you went on Lisbon, locals live. Now when people talk about how Airbnb affects communities and people can't afford living there, Lisbon's a prime example. Like you go to Barrio Alto, you go to, you know, um, some of the other neighborhoods. I mean, it's it's Airbnb, so it's like dead when there's not tourists, and it's totally overrun with tourists when it's there. And the locals have had to move out because the prices were so, so high. Because honestly, the salaries, I mean, I was making, I don't know, maybe I don't know, it was like $1,200 a month when I was in Portugal. And I, and I was living nice, you know? And, and, and you know, and you're like, wow, it's a nice living, you know, to do, you know, like you can live on that. But now... The locals can't afford it. So it's really kind of sad to see the impact. I mean, it's cool. People get to enjoy the, the city and it's brought a lot of income in there. But, you know, you had yeah. a financial crisis and then the tourism hit and then the, the international, you know, spec, spec, spectator, not spectators, speculators came in and bought a bunch of the apartments and stuff. So well, it's one of the dirty sides of travel that sometimes we don't think about or talk about. And the news this week or this past week was that they just uh, they're going to end the golden visa in yeah. Portugal. You know, I, I'm 
they had kept raising it, you know, and then the, all of a sudden they changed the rules that you couldn't buy in Lisbon and Porto and the Algarve. And then now, unless you went to like some really bad neighborhoods to fix it up mm-hmm. or anything like that, now I think they're just going to cap it in a, in a couple of months or anything. It just, I think they just got overwhelmed. And, and like you said, it, they're pricing out the locals. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, the, and that's the thing. It's like, Lisbon, Portugal's a fantastic place to live. You know, I mean, I understand. I mean, I remember when, People started to move there. It was like the Silver Coast. I'm like, what's the Silver Coast? Like, I lived in Portugal. I'm like, we don't call anything the Silver Coast there. <laughs> that was like a marketing thing that had come in, you know, to, to sell it to, you know, tourists to come and, and move there. And, and, you know, you just started seeing how many started coming in. And I remember when I first started making our videos, the, the travel stuff started about 2009 on the channel. And I was getting questions then about, hey, what should I buy property in, you know, in Queenbra instead of Lisbon? Or should I buy it here? Which neighborhood? And I'm like, oh, they're all great. And now I look back on it. I'm like, yeah, they, they got some good stuff at decent prices. But it's amazing how much like my friends that are there, they, they haven't moved, they haven't, they, they've gotten older and made more money, but it's still nothing compared to what it takes to live in the center. And there's, there's some neighborhoods that are still that haven't been overrun yet, because there's no metro there yet, or you know, the, the, the market there isn't pop, hasn't been in, you know, one of the guidebooks yet, you know, so it hasn't gotten overrun yet. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting place to, to check out for sure. Is your plan to eventually, uh, do you want to live outside of the country or, or is, is that the, uh, the ultimate goal so or? I lived 12 years abroad. I, I, I did I was five years in Portugal doing my PhD, three and a half years in Lithuania teaching there and doing consulting there. Uh, about three years in Germany, a year in Finland. Um, then I probably spent about a year in Italy on its own. Um, so I, I've, I've lived abroad for quite some time, lived in South America for a time too. Um, and I'm sure eventually we'll get living abroad again. Um, but yeah, our kids are, you know, there's 11 and 16. So it's like, let's give them that time and let them have like, okay, that was my hometown and my friends right. there that I can go back and see. Cause you know, kids need that base sometimes. That's why I always, I always chuckle. And when I see people and they're like, oh, we, we travel the world with our kids, which is great. I tell people to travel all the time with your kids, but it's hard to do when they get older because they want to do soccer. They want to be in the ballet. They want to be in a theater production kind of stuff. And it's hard to do that. They want to be with their friends. Yeah, <laughs> and they want to be with their friends too. Yeah. You know, and, and like, you know, last summer was the first time our oldest did not travel with us in the summer. He's like, he's like, I want to be home. I want to see my friends. I want to have them. I want to work. You know, you know, 16, I want to get a job. So, you know, he went and worked at a car dealership detailing cars. He took some summer school. You know, he did a couple camps, you know. And but now he's like, I'll go back to this summer. He's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> right. like, oh, working's not as fun as traveling the world, huh? Right. But, well, uh, you know, when that last one gets out of high school, that frees you up a, a pretty yeah, good. Yeah. And, and that, that's one of those things. Like, I'm sure we will, because I love teaching. And since I, I have like, that's one thing there's the golden visa stuff, you know, to buy yourself. But also if you have an advanced degree and you're going to be using it, that's a lot easier to get a visa for countries because you have, re, you have a, um, you know, a wanted skill. You know, that, that's one thing is there, there's the digital nomad visa stuff. And then there's the, you actually work here and we're going to help you get your visa. So you have the real stuff, like the tract of residency permits and passports and stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I'm finding is the countries aren't in real need of more comedians. That's what sadly <laughs> no. for, for visas. That, <laughs> Here's the thing, though. We need more laughter in, the, in our society. <laughs> we need more of that. That's one of those yeah. things. They're missing on. Yeah, maybe they should. It's, I, I want some exchange program or something that, that we, we can do. <laughs> so you've been mostly, you know, with all where you said you lived, it was all Europe. 
Um, have you ever had a focus to, it's like, you know, we're going to try, uh, South America for a while and get a gig down in Buenos Aires or something. So, um, I actually, so I lived in Argentina for about half a year, went to school there. And then I actually worked in Brazil for about a little over half a year. Oh, okay. um, we actually do a, it's funny because how you said that it, it, we get this a lot. Like, why are you only doing Europe? I'm like, <laughs> well, we have like 2,500 travel videos of which, like 700 are from South and Central America, but people don't search for that. Right, you know, people right. search for Europe. And so they always think of us from Europe because that's where we show up the most. So like, cause if I'll put out, let's say I put a video on Nicaragua, that video would get maybe in a year, we'll get maybe 25,000 views. I put a video out about Paris, it'll get 250,000 views, you know? So just, there's just not the same demand for the travel. So then before it doesn't show up, so people don't notice it. But you know, I, I, that's one thing we really get passionate about is showing this. So we've got videos, We've gone to Belize, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, um, Ecuador, Peru, Brazil, Argentina, you know, trying to promote the people. Hey, look, you, you don't just have to go to Rome. You yeah. don't just have to go to France. They're great. Don't get me wrong. I love I love them both. But like to go and explore more because especially if you have kids, I find if you have younger kids that want to have activities, outdoor stuff, going to Central and South America is way better than going to Europe because little kids get bored at museums. They don't care. Like, Oh, that's a thousand year old church. Don't yeah. care. Hey, another painting yeah. of Jesus. Exactly. Hey, another oh, one. This one Jesus hey. As a baby. Yeah. Wow. I got so, bored with it at, at 21, you know, honestly. Yeah, ex and, exactly. Yeah. And so when you go to South America, there's more outdoor stuff. So they're like, Oh, you've got hummingbirds that are coming and eating off your hand and butterfly gardens and yeah. hanging bridges and zip lining. You know, it's, it's much more adventure travel kind of stuff, which younger oh, people sure. like. That's so why when you get older, you don't do it. You don't do those things as much because, you know, things break. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I know. Um, yeah. But would you um, like was was YouTube always your your main focus? I mean, did you really get into um, when Instagram started and all this other stuff and Facebook and stuff like that? How how heavy did you go into that and how much is because YouTube seems to be your main. Thing. Yeah. No, YouTube is well, by far like. Our YouTube, our main YouTube channel will hit a million subscribers in the next few months. Um, but like our Facebook page only has like 50,000 subscribers. Uh, Instagram's like 27,000. You, know, you know, those ones I never really went big into because one, they're more on shorter content videos and I want to help people travel on their own. So it's, if I only have 30 seconds or back, you know, Vine was 15 seconds, you know, back in the day and like, there's only so much I can get across. That's why today I think Instagram, TikTok are great to give people a, a, like an idea. Like they're good for inspiration, but you can't get enough information to really help people travel in 30 seconds or under a minute. You know, that's why I, I've always stayed with the longer format YouTube videos, because if I want to tell you the do's and don'ts of going to Paris, I need 15 to 20 minutes to really get it all in there. So we can talk from safety to food to sites. Whereas if you're in a, a TikTok kind of loop, they might hit two of your 20 tips when it goes through. They won't see all of them, you know? And, and this way I can yeah. kind of put it together. And you're also competing with like, you know, girls in bikinis around the world. <laughs> yeah. And a million it, followers, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and it is true because there is a very different how people subscribe on these different platforms. And that's why, you know, like a lot of it's a monetary thing too, because if you have, you know, for, for so Instagram, 14 million views, you're on their bonus program, you get 14 million views, they'll give you $1,000. 14 million views on YouTube, if you have like normal horizontal, normal YouTube videos, that'll be making like $70,000. 
Like the money is not even comparable. That's why some people will ask, would you rather have a million TikTok followers or a million YouTube followers? Everyone will say YouTube because right. the monetary side of it. I mean, the dopamine from like, yes, I'm a, I got a million subs on TikTok. That's cool. But you're not making it. You're making a, like less than a fraction of the money. Was the goal ever to get, make this your full-time gig? I know actually. And I, I, there was a time where we kind of thought about making it a full-time thing, but I just love teaching too much. You know, like I, I teach at my alma mater, you know, and it's like, I, I'm in the, like the biggest, hugest auditorium there. I, you know, I've got you know, some teaching awards I got from there. You know, it's like, I'm giving back to the, to the people that I was when I was in college, you know? So like, for me, that's one thing I love doing. And so that was when it came down. I'm like, I just love teaching too much. I love this too much. And insurance is helpful too, you know, oh, well, <laughs> and, and, you know, and retirement planning, you know, and, and that's I'm, I'm on the advocate of, you know, stay where you are. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, what's been nice about the YouTube thing is how it's grown so much. Like when I started, it was literally like, like we, I mean, it was 2012. So I started making videos in 2007. The U Walter's World started in 2009. We didn't, we weren't monetized until, until 2012. So we're years with zero money. And like the first, the first, you know, paycheck, I, you know, the first, like your first month making money was like $15. So like, it was never really about making the money. It's only gotten really good, like the last few years, you know, but it's like, this is a really nice thing, but it's my hobby. You know, some people, their hobby is to go play golf and they're like, oh, Mark, you waste hours making those videos. Yeah. And they end up helping a lot of people and like doing it. You waste hours playing golf. I think, I think mine's <laughs> making the world a better place, you know? That that's where sometimes it's funny. My colleagues will give me crap, and they're like, "Well, you could do I'm like I could do what? Play play stocks? Yeah, I, I could do that too. Like, yeah, that's fine. But I like doing this. You like playing golf? You like playing? It's just it's just a hobby. And that's what's that's what's made it easy for me to keep going over the years because it's something I love traveling and I love helping people and I love education. So it kind of all merges together. So it just keeps going. That's why you know if you're doing these like side hustle things, if you have something you love. It's not really a job or a side hustle. It's just your hobby's paying you. And I think that's what's funny is like, you'll see all these side hustle, like Instagram channels and TikTok stuff and they're, they're all their things, but none of them will talk about, look, it takes time to build wealth. It takes time to build an audience. And they're selling these quick hacks, like, oh, start a YouTube channel, make a video with pretty pictures and people will watch it. You'll make millions. Look at this one video. All it is is white noise for people to sleep by. And they have 17 million views. That means they've got a mansion. You're like, uh-huh. But, but, you know, it's like, you need to explain that that's one video, whereas there's 4,000 other videos, the exact same that have 15 views and make no money. You know, how many, how many of your trips are solo and how many do you bring your family on? And so I would say, so for example, so far this year, I, I went to England for a couple of weeks. Then I was home for a couple of days and my wife went to France and Italy for a couple of weeks by herself. Well, she went with friends and she did some filming there. But then we came back. Then we all went to like we were there was arizona and then we went to missouri exciting right yeah. um and then well you gotta see family yeah. and then uh and then we just like my youngest and my wife and i went to dominican republic for seven days yeah so like it's it's kind of a mix um when the kids were younger when they were in the the grades where i could easily explain everything and my wife could easily explain it. it's like yeah we're gonna take this week off we're gonna go and they were at schools that were very much pro like look if you're gonna travel around the world with your kids that's a great education go you know, so so we we were very lucky and very blessed in that way. So we got we went all the time with the family. Like if I didn't go with the family, I'm like calling them like after three days, I miss you guys. You know, because we're we're a very tight knit family. And and so that was kind of funny that it was like now 
now that it's there's the business side of it, like, look, I've got to go film. I got to make some more videos. And if I go like if I go by myself for two weeks, I could make 150 videos. If I go with the family, I can make 30. You know, so sometimes it's like, hey, I got to I got to focus on these things. You know, it'll be a very much a targeted trip where I'm like, OK, I need to make videos here, here and here. I, I have like a lot of advice videos and stuff. And so there's that. But I'd say. If let's say let's say I travel five to six months out of the year, my wife probably travels four to five months out of the year. She does like she has um, like she has a lot of the short vertical stuff, TikTok, Instagram kind of things. She does that, and then she does some of the writings for our blogs. Um, she does she puts some stuff together for that. So that's more. And so she watches. You know, she keeps the kids wrangled while I'm filming. <laughs> yeah. So 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 there's that. Um, yeah. So so we're all in it together and over the years i've learned you know i don't need to make 10 videos about one town i need to make three videos about a town i make a video on the don'ts of going there i make a video on what to eat when you go there for we have a food channel and then another one is usually either if there's enough stuff i'm like hey we can talk about some of the cultural faux pas here that's the shocks of going someplace or or how you piss people off when you go to a new destination you know like if, if there's enough stuff we'll have the third one but now I know it's like, whereas when I first started out, and I recommend this to all YouTubers, TikTok, anything, just make as many videos as you can, figure out what people like and what you like to make. And then once you look at your data, it'll tell you what people really like, then make more of that content. And over the years, I learned that people don't want a top 10 list. You know, you thought, well, don't people want to know where to go? No, they don't. You know, and I've also learned, do people want to know what to eat? No, people don't want to know the traditional food of a place. They want to be told exactly what restaurant to go to and what to order. The thing is, I know that's what people want, but I don't want to do that because if I do that, you have the Bourdain effect, which is cool. But then people only go to the Anthony O'Brien restaurant and only order that one thing when there's 10 other restaurants that serve the exact same food. Some may be better, some may be worse. And I'm like, here's the food you should eat in this country or in this town. So if you see it, get it. You know, people always write us, hey, where do you go eat? Where's the restaurant? Tell us what restaurant, where to go. I'm like, I don't write down the name of the restaurants we go to. I don't. We just go and explore. We find places. We go. We eat well. We take some videos and we walk away because I want to be able to help people explore on their own. I don't. That's one of the big goals I have is I don't want I don't want you to think that you have to have somebody holding your hand when you travel. I want to give people the skills so they can travel on their own. So if I mean, if you're on a cruise ship, it's a lot of handholding. You, you know that. Right. But if you're going to be going on your own, that's one of my favorite things. When people write us, they're like, and there's nothing wrong with cruise travel. I want to say that there's nothing wrong with that. But they'll write us like, you know, I was always a cruise travel person or I was always a group tour person. And, and your videos gave us the confidence to go on our own. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I, I feel like I've, I, what I've set out to do is help people be able to feel like they can travel on their own. I've done that. You know, that's like one of the most, I don't know, it's vindicated, but one of the most like happiest part of, of doing the videos is knowing that we did help people have a great vacation or do things on their own. I'm sure you're approached all the time from tourist boards and things like that. And media trips and stuff like that uh, yeah that's a that's a gray area there how do you deal with that oddly enough since we so focus on being honest a lot of tourist boards don't come talk to us because they don't want people to know the good and the bad and, I'm, and i as a marketing professor i can tell you right now no one believes a, a review that's all five stars there's got to be some ones and twos and threes in there because nothing's perfect your ex-girlfriend wrote a review that says your comedy show sucks you know yeah. like you know, th th this is just the fact of life. But but brands think that, and tourism would know, everything has to be perfect. We, I'm like, no, what you want is a commercial. You don't want a review. You don't want someone to really talk about what it's like being there. You want a commercial. 
People don't listen to commercials. Statistics show people don't care about commercials. They care about honest reviews. And that's why if you're, if you're honest about it, you know, yeah, you, you probably should mention about you got to throw the toilet paper down. You don't have to talk about it right away, but you have to be honest about it. And so when brands approach us, you know, and there's been some brands that I love, you know, and there's one in particular, they contact us. I'm like, oh my God, I love you. I love your stuff. I use it all the time. Like, oh, we'll send you one to use in the video. I'm like, I already have two. Don't worry about it. You know, like I was so excited. And then they're like, yeah, and you're going to do the video. I'm like, cool, cool. And like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to get the video, then you're going to send it to us. And then you're going to, we're going to tell you what you have to change, the wording you have to say. I'm like, oh, you want a commercial. Mm -hmm. And I had to tell them, I'm like, and this would have been a brand that would have probably paid off a lot in the long run. But I'm like, I'm not going to sacrifice my honest opinion and my honest brand because you're paying me some money. And, And that's one of those things. Like, that's why, I mean, I have a hard time trusting, you know, YouTubers that'll say like, this is the best place in Mexico. And then three videos later, they're saying in a new location, this is the best place ever in Mexico. And then I found out, oh, you got paid to go all those places. So was it really the best one to go to? Right. So that that's where it, it, it does make it a little odd. Like when I have done some stuff with some tours and boards, I, I will make some content for them. And I will tell them, look, I'm going to have to talk the good and the bad. So which video do you want to be sponsored with? So some are like, uh, just do the food one or don't do the love and hates. Do the the, the shocks one. Like that's what that's fine because you that's usually more of a fun fun. We're cool with that. But I'm like, the one that's going to get the most views and get people to come to your website are the don'ts. And that's the people want to know the don'ts and they always think negative about it. But I like, know the don'ts are like, don't false. It's also not don't do that. It's also don't forget to do that because people don't watch. You know, like I said, they don't watch top 10 lists. They watch, oh, what I don't do when I go there, they're going to watch that. Right. And so if we put the good in there as well, it works out fine. And a lot of brands, it's very, I understand they have their strict, rigid things that they have to do. But that's why, I mean, I haven't had that problem because I'm like, look, I'm, I'm not going to just take money to say this is a great product. And if you can't, if you're not okay with that, then it's not fine because you wouldn't have come to me unless you wanted honest help and honest review. So, so I mean, it, it does mean we've left a lot of money on the table, but at the end of the day, I, I feel better about myself. And then I know that when people watch our videos, they can trust what we put down there because I'm not, you know, just saying stuff because they gave me money. Algorithms can change all the time. How do you see it moving forward? Yeah, no, the, the algorithms always change. I mean, that that's one thing. People complain. The al- It's the algorithm that, you know, beat the algorithm. We'll teach you how to beat the algorithm. You know how you beat the algorithm? You have good content. You help people out. You make funny stuff. People will find you eventually. Not right away, but eventually. People, like, the algorithm's not stupid, how they develop. The people who develop the algorithms aren't dumb. They're not like, oh, we want to screw you over because of this. No, no. It, it, they, they have certain things. And that's one of the things that's like you'll hear is like you always need to have as many revenue streams as possible. That's why you have Patreon where people can donate to you. You have memberships on YouTube. You have the ad revenue on YouTube. You have your blog. You have newsletters. You have affiliate marketing. You have sponsorships. You have product placement. You have all these things. So you have other revenue streams coming in. And that's actually one thing I kind of worry about because you have a whole kind of generation that they want to be YouTubers and influencers instead of going to college, which you don't have to go to college, but they don't want to do trades or anything. They just, that's what they want to do. And you can do very well in that for a while. But here's the thing. If your whole thing is about being, you know, the prankster, eventually people know you're the prankster and they don't fall for your pranks anymore. You know, it's like you were talking about like how do you compete with beautiful people in bikinis and stuff. And you know, I'm a fat guy. Why is it there? And I still remember, this is from a friend of mine, 2015. He's like, Mark, 
why do you even do this? You can't compete. And he points to this lady that has another travel channel. And she's like, she's gorgeous. And she does all her stuff in this bikini. I'm like, I don't know. I think my stuff's really helpful. And her channel didn't make it. And I'm still around. You know, it's like, if you have that, sometimes it still works. Now, obviously, you're not going to get the, the entertainment people. Like, we don't get entertainment. We get people that I'm going to Berlin, so I want to learn about Berlin there. And that's all they watch. And then I never see them again. So they're not going to subscribe to me for that. That's why we don't have as many subscribers as our views would show. But it's like, hey, but they know I always look up Walter's World and then the destination because you've been all over the world. And most times you have something that's going to help us out. And so that's really paid off in the long run for us because, you know, as we all know, beauty fades, hairlines fade, not yours, bastard. Oh, trust, me. <laughs> trust me. Oh, it has. There's a little more room up here. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the sunscreen a little higher up these days. A little higher, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my, my, I, start, I start up my nose and go all the way back to the back of my head. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, but, but that's one of those things is, but you have to keep adjusting. You know, that's why, I mean, we do have stuff on TikTok. We do stuff on Instagram. Like, and you have to do your research. Like, young people today, they, when they do, they search for answers. Yeah, we still use Google and YouTube, but they're using TikTok at, in huge numbers. So now I'm asking people, tell me your travel questions. I'll make a you know one minute long vertical video, put it on TikTok. So then I can help people that way. Because that's one of the things like I had to adjust to help the new travelers that are out there. And they like TikTok. They like Instagram. They like the reels. I'm going to do that too to help them out. You know, but when you see your students want to become YouTubers and things, that wasn't around when we, you and I were growing up and I wanted to be on TV. So that's what that was my big focus. But it's funny. I, I don't have kids, but I have a, a niece and a nephew. And it's funny when they stay with me, uh, one will sleep out in the living room and they're like, here's the uh, remote. And you could watch anything on TV. And they're like, don't watch it at all. They could care less. I mean, they watch uh, YouTube on their phone. I just give them the Wi-Fi yeah. code and they're off. So oh, yeah. um, after that, what do you think is next? I mean, it, it's hard to say. What do you be teaching marketing wise in 10 years? Well, I think the, you know, I, I don't think the metaverse is going to really be the huge thing because we had second life before. Yeah. But I think there's the augmented reality, virtual reality kind of using that as like an add on to things, especially in travel, especially with historic sites. If you can throw on a pair of glasses to see what the Coliseum used to look like when they talk about it, there, there's ways that can be like a supplement. Um, but looking at it in terms of, where things are going to go. I think one, you, you, we've, we've hit the pick of the peak of streaming kind of stuff. Like you and I aren't going to get our Netflix series. We were hoping for, you know, <laughs> yeah. like if it was going to happen, it would happen two years ago when everyone was going crazy with it. Now they're starting to rain in the money and rain in the, the, Hey, we're not going to make as much stuff. You're not going to see as many new things on Netflix. But I think in that same vein, you're going to see more of a push I wouldn't be surprised if you had other things like YouTube to start to get bigger. Like TikTok now has, you can have up to 10 minute long videos, you know, and, 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 you know, they had IGTV for a while where you could have up to 10 minute long videos on Instagram. I think you're going to start seeing more of those things grow because as good as YouTube's done, all it takes is for another channel or another platform to pay people. Like that's the thing is like YouTube this month started paying um, ad revenue to shorts, their, their vertical videos. So if you have a monetized account, you can make money. That's not a lot of money. It's like one fortieth of what the normal videos are, <laughs> but it's still money. Whereas a lot of people that are on TikTok aren't making any money or is your marketing any money. And so that's where you're going to start to see is because eventually people follow the money because as much as I love doing, you know, people love doing their dances and stuff. Yeah. You'll notice it's like a lot of, you know, 
kids are doing it, you know, they're like, hey, because they have a lot of time. They, they're going to school till three. Like if you're going to work, you're getting home at six or seven. You're tired. You don't yeah. have time to do a, a, a TikTok dance, but you have time to listen to a podcast. You have time to watch a video about space or something like that. Or, or you know, there, there's still those things there. And so if there's other kind of streams that people can go to, however, I don't think you're going to see a lot of differences in terms of content that will be on there. Um, just because you can do anything you want basically on YouTube, you know? Right. So it's not like, I mean, okay, you can do only fans. Like that's a whole other ball game. Right. <laughs> but you know, there's not, it's, it's like, you know, what's the real difference between TikTok, Instagram and YouTube shorts. There isn't any because they're all the exact same videos. Look in the corner when you watch an Instagram reel, you'll probably see a little TikTok logo popping up because yeah. they made it on TikTok, downloaded it, re-uploaded it, which if you do that, that's against the terms of service for YouTube and you get your channel shut down. You know, like you got to be careful with that. So don't re-upload your stuff. Like just have make the video and then upload it to each of the different platforms from the original source. That's going to be better for you. So is it someone, so for a kid who's studying marketing now, yeah, is it impossible to graduate from college with a marketing degree and not know social media marketing? I mean, it's well, it seems like that thing. would be like, I would if you're a business, if I'm hiring a kid out of college, I'm going to hire him to do that. Do our do our social media because I don't get yeah. it. You know what I mean? That, that's that's the the entry level stuff is social media because a lot of people don't get it. But now those people that didn't get it ten years ago are starting to become into the the upper management and they get how important it is. This is a battle I've had with people like, look, you need to have a social media marketing course available or a digital marketing course available every semester because their jobs are going into digital analytics, you know, and sales or customer relationship management. That's where their jobs are going into. You know, like you have to have courses that offer that. And if you're not, you're, you're failing your students, you know, because, yeah, they do have to know social media marketing. They do have to know digital marketing. They have to because no one's going to Bergner's to pick up stuff. And Bergner's isn't around anymore. Macy's or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Like they're not going. They're going online. If they go to Macy's, they walk by, get inspired and then go on their phone and order from Amazon. Like that's yeah. one thing I think brands really messed up with when the internet was first out is they let Amazon sell everything. It's like you should have been developing your own website, and your own sales. And you're seeing that now. That's when, I mean, if you're looking for a silver lining with the pandemic is that it made businesses realize that, hey, you know what? We need to have our own web presence. We can do this on our own. So we keep more of the money versus Amazon getting everything. Right. So you, how about you personally? Was there one Walter's World video that blew up that you had no expectation for it that really surprised you? They were like, I can't believe this thing took off like it did. Yeah, so I think the first one that really went viral, viral, it's so, I mean, it only has like 500,000 views 10 years later, 12 years later, was uh, the five love and hates of going to Germany. That was <laughs> the first one that really did a lot, um, partially because about a third of the way through, my son, who was three at the time, and I had no, I mean, I had no idea how to edit. I mean, literally like no idea. So it was like, I would put the camera down, like I would set my Nikon cool pics on a rock or a <laughs> bench right. and sit on the ground and film, right? And so I put it down. I'm, I'm literally sitting on the ground on a square in Cologne, Cologne Germany. Or no, not Cologne, in Bonn. It was in Bonn. And I'm talking, and my son comes waddling up. And he's smiling at me. I'm like, hey, hey, you're right, Caleb. Yeah. And then he grabs the camera, and you just hear him screaming with laughter. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, my God. And, like, people will comment on that all the time. Like, oh, my God, he was so cute. Oh, my God, that laugh. I went deaf. <laughs> oh, warning, you need to warn people not to wear headphones when they're at the five minute mark or whatever. That was the one that was the first one that really 
did like well, like got a hundred thousand views and all kinds of stuff. Like that was the first one, uh, but that was the one that surprised the most. But now it's funny, like videos I think will do really good. Will sometimes do good, but sometimes won't. Other ones are like, why did that one do well? I'm so confused. Like one of my one one of the ones I thought it was the best was um, what's known before you go on an African safari, which since not a lot of people go on African safari, there's not a big market for it. But it's the one video I'm the most proud of, and it has hardly any views. But I'm like, if you're going to go on an African safari, that is the one video I will go to my grave and say that is the best video we've made. You know, and and that's one of those things. It's like, well. Sometimes you don't get the views. So that's one thing is like, and you'll see people comment on Instagram, like they'll be like, oh, I, I spent hours making this perfect reel and it gets 50 views. And then I have an accidental one and it gets a million. I'm like, yeah, well, welcome to the internet. <laughs> exactly. So what's a do? Give me the top do and top don't for African Safari. Because I've been on them and I'm just wondering what you what your take is. So my top don't for going on African Safari would be, don't forget to actually read the reviews on the companies you're booking with, because when it looks at going on the tours, a lot of times you end up with the same companies. They're all like you book and they all send you the same thing. So you need to make sure you look at the reviews, looking because on Safari Safari, it's the only really big difference because you're going to see the big five, you know, the lions and, and, and you're going to see it all. You're going you're gonna to see hippos. You're going to see zebra. You're going to see all that. You're going to see more zebra than you can imagine. Yeah. But the thing is, you're all going to see that. You also do the same thing. The only difference is, is accommodation. And so that's why don't forget to look and see what kind of accommodation they use because you can go from literally like a tent on the dirt to a luxury glamping tent, you know, like that's one of those things. And and if you're old, like if you're an older crowd, you know what? I mean, I can't. I mean, if I sleep on the ground like the straight ground for a few days, I'm gonna be hurting. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so that's what those things I think is a big don't. It's like don't forget to do that research on those. Another thing I think is important. Uh, don't forget to actually bring the right clothing. You know, like people will make fun of people. Oh, they're wearing their safari gear. <laughs> I'm like, actually, you don't have to wear the safari gear, but the TT's flies are attracted to black and blue. So if you're not like, if you're wearing that, go ahead. But don't complain when you get bit, when you get sunburned, you know, like that. that's one thing people don't understand. It's like part of it is just to cover more of your body. Because we had, we like my kids, my wife, we all had the whole thing, you know, and, and we all, and here's nothing. You only, don't wear your safari stuff in town. You only <laughs> wear the safari stuff when you're going out on safari. Okay. Just like you don't wear your bikini or your speedos when you're walking through the mall. You know, yeah. it's the same kind of thing. And Unless, so that's yeah. Like, yeah, when you're going to do those, it's worth doing. Right. Right. And, right. And because I, I saw people that literally were like in little Daisy Dukes and tank tops and like, you're fools wearing that. I'm like, you go ahead as you're burned to a crisp. <laughs> bitten to death you know like fine you know that's that that's another thing uh, or or the uh the russian yeah, the Re Re yeah. but uh, also in africa you know you sort of, i tell people you really have to be careful of um well, like you said accommodations but also transportation mm -hmm. you know I, i've yeah. done i've done african trips on you know a bus and a bus is not, uh, you know what kind of bus the bouncing yeah how is your back afterwards yeah it's not good <laughs> Or, yeah. you know, you definitely get what you pay for. But, yes. you know, you got to know what you, your body can handle and what you can mentally handle. Um, mm -hmm. And also in, in a lot of, well, most places around the world, but especially Africa, you got to bring your patience. You know, oh, things yeah. don't run on time. Americans want, hey, the bus said uh, five o'clock. Well, it's like, hey, it's Africa, man. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, that it's bus a, may, may be here. It's about not island be. time in the Caribbean. It's, yeah. It takes a little bit longer. Just, just, and that's one thing I think, 
just for all travel these days, I always tell people, like, don't forget to pack your patience and your kindness because you're going to need your pain, patience and being kind will go a lot farther because if you're a jerk, those airlines can say you're a jerk, you're out, you're done. And then yeah. how are you going to We've talked about how Portugal has changed over the years. Is there one spot, do you think, that at least social media or um, in the last 10 years or so has really just been overrun by tourism and kind of ruined that you got to see it before it got ruined. Any place like so, that? Yeah. I mean, there's places that were super famous, just got overrun famous. Like Venice has been just yeah. like just overrun and they're, and they're doing stuff to combat the, the mega tourism stuff. Yeah. The amount Dubrovnik, Dubrovnik. Yeah. What's up? Dubrovnik, I always put up there too. Yeah, yeah, Dubrov- yeah Dubrovnik's another one. That's one because there's other great cities you can go to in Croatia, but that's the one that people always think of. And, and Game of Thrones isn't even popular anymore, so it's not easy for those people, <laughs> right. you know. And so, but I mean, Dubrovnik is cool. But I, I mean, go to the islands and enjoy other parts of Croatia. You have a better time, and you won't get overrun. You know, yeah. I, I think Amal- Amalfi Coast is totally like now. I mean, I, I went there twenty some years ago. And there was hardly anybody there. I mean, I was—I still remember the first time I was like, "This is the most beautiful natural beauty I've seen in Europe, by far." You know, and now I'm like, I can't even focus because there's so many tourists going everywhere. Like, we went back last summer to do filming there, and I was very glad we ended up going to Puglia afterwards because Puglia is a fraction of the tourists and is just as beautiful. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So that's that's a place I've seen. So, if quite, you quite a. What place do you think is kind of uh, underserved that you keep telling people and and not to ruin it here? <laughs> everything but that... in South America, everything right. in Central America, uh, East Africa, Tunisia, well, or not Tunisia yeah. um, Tanzania, Rwanda, those places are totally underserved. But like what, what really gets me is like people, especially from the U.S., they miss out. I mean, flying to the northern part of South America it's faster than flying to Europe if you're living in the South of the U.S. I mean, well, yeah, uh, Colombia is beautiful. Going to Bogota is cool. Medellin, going to you know Cartagena, you can do that. Ecuador, you get every single biome in the world there. People just skip over it. And I see it in our videos. Like People just don't watch the South America videos. They're like, oh, I don't want to go there. I'm like, why? People are awesome. Cool food, cool places, beautiful nature. Well, I was, in, just- Med- I was in Medellin uh, right before the pandemic, and uh, I remember there was all these – uh, bachelor parties from like Miami and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. People are going, yeah, oh, they, they went like, all the way. When it's a three-hour flight and it's on the same yeah. time zone. And just like, yeah, it, it was it was shorter for them to go to Medellin than to Vegas. So oh, why yeah. would and it's half the price. So exactly. and they can get all the sin they want and mm-hmm. more <laughs> for half the price. You know, and it's yeah, legal know. half it of it like, there. It was funny. We were we were in Aruba right before, also right before the the pandemic, and I was talking just like, so why did you choose here, and why not like. You know, like Colombia or Venezuela, like you can literally see them. Like, it's, oh, yeah. that's too far. I'm like, it's right there. Like, you can <laughs> see mainland South America from Aruba. Like, yeah, it's not any farther. You know, it's like, I'm going to go to, you know, St. Kitts and St. Bart's and, you know, the very, very end of, you know, the Caribbean. I'm like, uh, faster go to Peru. But you, you know? <laughs> but you know, a lot of that is fear-based, you know, and yeah. we're fed a lot of fear here and they, they're still... Colombia has that reputation. They're still mm-hmm. working off Nicaragua's reputation from the eighties and stuff. And, yeah. and, uh, but Venezuela is now is like a lawless state, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so there, there are, there are, there is really bad. Yeah. There are reasons. Uh, I get it. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it, most of that is fear-based and, and, but, you know, and talk about being underserved. I mean, 
Costa Rica in a way is kind of overserved. <laughs> Costa Rica has yeah. been found out. I mean, they, they yeah, have well, been. It, it's got to the point now that Costa Rica, so many Americans had gone there to retire. That's not driven up the prices so high that the American retirees are leaving Costa Rica to find different places to go. Yeah. I think Panama's getting there too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Nicaragua was when last time I was in Nicaragua, it, like it was, I was talking to some people, it was like, they're starting to trickle in. You know, like, but it's still like people, but the people who are retiring were still like Nicaragua. No, there's going to be wars and stuff. And you're like, well, not that. Yeah, we love <laughs> my wife and I talked about, you know, maybe get a retirement house there. You know, like that's how much we like Nicaragua. So, how are your uh, language skills around the world? What what languages are you proficient at? Proficient at? Well, that's always fun. <laughs> well, you I, get I like by. So you say we're going to be drinking beers and I can order beers for us? Yeah, well, that I can uh, do. But so, so like, if you gave, let's say, you gave me a week to brush up, I would have no problem teaching in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and German. Um, I can have, I would say, like, probably eighth grade conversations in Italian. Um, I can be a very good tourist and have like basic conversation, like talk about sports and the weather and shopping. You know, like basic stuff in like French and probably Lithuanian. So, oh, great. So what kind of uh, is there? Was there a country that kind of, you know, I hate to say it because you have a well, you do a lot of this places, you know, things not to do. And was there one that kind of let you down? I mean, the one that you went there, the, the you oh, built yeah. so, up in so your so mind. Our, our, fans, our fans will know that my most disappointing city is actually Brussels, Belgium. And it's not Brussels fault. I'm with you. But OK, before you do that, I mean, uh, mine was it was just dull wasn't it it would yeah i see a dull. statue of a, a boy pissing and i eat uh and it's I eat french fries a, yeah no one realized it's the size of a one or two year old peen so it's <laughs> like a foot and a half tall that's it there's one of a girl pissing in a back alley there's another that there's that you got the golden square there's some nice museums but it's like meh and i yeah. think i think Bru the reason why i always put brussels in one of the biggest disappointments is because it's the head of the european union it shows up in the news so much that people think you have to go there. And you're like, you know, is the capital of every state the best city to go to? <laughs> right. Yeah, Springfield, Springfield or Chicago? Versus Chicago. <laughs> you know, like, eh, eh. Yeah. you know, I mean, it's like St. Louis or Jefferson City. Eh. Right. You know, and, and I think that that's where it suffers. But the thing is, I, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm like, look, that, that's one you're going to think is bigger and more important than it is. Because it's not a first, I always say it's not a first tier or a second tier city. It's a third tier city. On your third or fourth trip, and you're going through. Why not? Yeah, but if right. you go to Belgium, you're going to go to Ghent. You're going to go to Bruges. Bruges, yeah, way better, way better. I like Ghent better than Bruges. Yeah, Ghent's great. Ghent, I love Ghent. Ghent's yeah, fun. yeah. Like that was it was funny. Last time I was at Ghent, it was in the summer, and it was like all about like bachelor party stuff. You know, it was like all the Brit bachelor guys. It was like they either go to Prague or apparently they go to Ghent. You know, it's just it's the yeah, beer, so man. It's it's there. the beer. The beer's so beer. damn good. The beer's That's so right. good, they they either pick there or, yeah, Prague, and that kind of ruins Prague too. I think you know those those yeah, fr Friday nights and Saturday parties. nights in Prague late night can get a. I mean, it can, like the fights are with the people from Prague. Yeah. It's from the drunks that are there for the, yeah. the weekend, and that's where like when when people are planning travel, like, that's one of those things I'll talk about. It's like, yeah, you don't have to go during peak season, go into shoulder season, but also think about it. If you're going to go to a party town like Vegas, if you want to party, then yeah, weekends are great. But if you're not looking to party, you just want to go to a show, do a little gambling, eat. Go during the week. You're yeah, half the price. Stuff, half price things. 
there's not they're not going to be there. The waiters and waiters are waiters are going to talk to you because there's no one else there, so they want your tips. So they're going to be even more on you, and you can get into some of those restaurants you usually can't. Right. Where have you not been that you've been dying to go? Where's on your bucket list? So Egypt is one place. Me too. Really, really go. Um, Israel and Jordan. We actually have tickets. We're going there this summer. Um, summer for my wife, for my wife would be Bhutan would be the one place she really wants to go. We haven't been to yet. Uh, which one, Ben? Oh, my wife just said Ethiopia. She just yeah, Ethiopia oh, is where she wants to go. I was there. So, it's great. But the, all yeah. the ones that you named are all on my list. I got uh, Egypt, Bhutan, Myanmar has always been up there. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't done uh, Morocco, believe it or not. Morocco's cool. Morocco is like the tangy, the food there is really good. People are very friendly. Um, the the blue city that you see in all the tourist guides, I mean, it was like seems like it was made for Instagram. Yeah. If you're Chef- not an Instagrammer, go to other places in, in is it Chef Chowan? Chef Chowan? Yeah, Chef Chowan, yeah. 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 yeah so. I want to I want to do that. And uh I have been Israel and, and Jordan. You have to go to uh Petra. Uh, Petra. I mean, it's yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing. But there's a yeah. lot of you know, a lot of video to shoot and a lot of do's and don'ts as well. <laughs> yeah. I spent some time sure. in Wadi Rum in the desert. I kind of rushed through it. I took a day trip from a lot in Israel. So I wish I would have yeah. given it more time. Yeah, so that's that's what we had originally. We were going to go there, and then that was like pandemic got canceled. But we had everything booked for that. So now it's like you know what we're going to go and we're going to stay longer in Jordan than go up to Oman and fly out of Oman. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, Ethiopia is about the food. I mean, it's it's just amazing. Yeah, and that's the thing. People don't realize how good Ethiopian food is. Oh. And you can't find it a lot of places in the U.S. Like basically, you've got D.C. or Vegas. You're L.A. LA has some too. Okay. Oh, wait, we have an Ethiopian village. It's, it's basically one strip of Fairfax yeah. Avenue. I used to live in walking distance from it, but it's uh, it's amazing. Oh yeah, and, and people are like, that's it's the spongy bread where you pick it up with the food or everything yeah. with the bread, and you just love it. Yeah, and that's one thing. Like every time I go to DC, we're like, no, we're going. We're eating Ethiopian. Don't care. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, Chicago a, has one too. What's up? Chicago has one. A little strip there up by uh, on the north side by Lincoln Park, yeah. up by Wrigley, in, in Wrigleyville. There's. Uh, yeah, there's there's a little bit one there. Yeah, there's a few. Not as common that people don't people miss out on because they're always like, "Well, I want to eat stuff I know." No, just go. Oh yeah. Eat and what I love what I love about Ethiopian restaurants, they, you walk in, they're like, "You've never had Ethiopian food before, have you?" Like, no. They're like, "Would you like some help?" No, no, I'll be fine. And they bring everything. There's no silverware. You're like, "Where's my silverware?" Like, you've got a napkin. Yeah, like, right. would you like <laughs> to start off? <laughs> oh yeah. And like, and it was like, because I remember the first time we went. It was in D.C. and the lady's like, "I'm just going to show you. Is that okay?" Like I'm just, she's like, I'm going to rip a piece. I'm just going to show you. It's. I'm like, go ahead. She goes, she rips it and you do this and you're and I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks. She's like, all right. Because we had the kids with us, so they're like, it was, it was pretty funny. It was cute. So you, you on your site, stay away from uh, accommodation really much in terms of reviews and things. Yeah, like I don't, that. I don't, because here's my thing. I don't talk about restaurants or accommodation by names. Like I'll do review. Like now I do some reviews on one of our second channels, like other side channels, because hotels, restaurants, they change so quickly that like I make a video. I mean, I'll be no, I'll be honest with you. I made a video and I actually talked about a restaurant. And by the time I released the video, three months later, the restaurant closed. 
<laughs> and I'm like, right. no, I'm never doing. Like, I tried it once, and it, I, it got shut down before it released. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the video people are people will listen to any other advice you have in the video because, oh, well, that restaurant's closed, so you don't know anything about the food in Chicago. I'm like, <laughs> fine, right, fine. So that, that's why that's why I try to stay away from it. And also, you know, the the accommodation stuff, the restaurant stuff. If you make a video, you make any comment, people can take that out of context. And they'll put it up on something. They'll put it on their boards or whatever. And you're like, you know what? I'll just talk about the great food you can get in that city right. and go that way. Give me the craziest thing you ever ate. And where was it? So we ate grubs in Ecuador, which are big fat worms with pinchers, which taste like bacon. Um, <laughs> that was one. Let's see what else. There's the the uh, the veal nerves, nervetti. Like nerves, nervetti you can have in Italy in northern Italy as a, uh, as a, like a little starter snack. Hmm. I have a video coming out with it like in a couple of weeks. Actually, if you want to see what it looks like, it looks like it looks like Jello with veins in it. Oh and it, boy! And it, it doesn't taste and it, it tastes worse than it sounds. Oh, okay. <laughs> so of so all that, the things to eat in one. Italy, you're in Italy, well, the greatest food in the world, and you're eating veins. I know, I know. Well, it was you know, when you, your friends are there, they of course are going to mess with you. Sure. Like, oh, you have to have this. You know, and then I think one of my favorite, one of the first times I got tricked into, well, there's two times I got, when I was young, when I got tricked into eating stuff, it was horrible. The first time I had Vegemite in Australia, I was an exchange student down there. Oh, Vegemite's little, horrible. Vegemite is like, it's like, imagine peanut butter, but it's just salt. Oh, it's horrible. And my buddy's like, oh, you want a Vegemite sandwich? I'm like, sure. I've never had, I heard about Vegemite. Oh yeah. You got, it's, we eat it like you do your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You need to have a big, thick layer of it. I'm like, Okay. And so they get it. I eat it. I'm like trying to be nice. I'm like this is horrible, and they're just dying laughing. Like, oh, of course, we put a little bit on, man. It's horrible. I'm like, oh, okay. And then uh, when I was exchange student in Finland, there's this thing called mammy, which looks like chocolate pudding, like exactly mm-hmm. like chocolate pudding. And my my host father, he's like, oh, you should have this. It's a traditional Easter thing. I was there at Easter, and I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, Are, aren't you guys gonna have any? They're like, oh no. no. You go ahead. We'll have some later. And they're all the whole family's just like this, like looking, watching me about to take a bite. And I'm, you know, of course, I was like 17 at the time. I didn't know. And I'm like, and I take a big old spoon, like get a big spoon. I take a big spoonful thing. It's like chocolate pudding in my mouth. It's rye pudding. It's basically rye. like rye bread dough as a as a pudding. Oh, it's horrible. And I remember I'm like, I'm like oh, and they just started laughing and laughing. And fans are pretty like chill, like very kind of they don't really talk. Like, yeah. So like the fact that they were laughing that hard at me for it, no, I know like they knew. <laughs> yeah, for comedy, Finns are known as a uh, that's their stereotype. They're very uh, reserved yes. people. They they don't they don't give up the laughter too much. Once you no, get to know them, not. they're fine. But yeah, yeah, get them in the sauna. That's all, you know, then Basically. they'll loosen oh, yeah. up. Get some salt and a few beers. Be yeah, they'll loosen up. Um, I w- Give me your worst uh, flight experience. Worst flight experience. Uh, we were, I was coming back from the Canary Islands to Germany. It was uh, Christmas. It was many years ago with a friend of mine. And there was an actual hurricane going through Europe. Like, it, they, they don't have that, but they had it. And it was like at Christmas. And we're coming back, I'm like, hey, it's, you know, and they do the whole long spiel in German. And my German is like, I'd only been living in Germany for a few months. And I'm like, yeah, they said it's bad weather. Like, okay, that was turbulence. But what was that word before? And like, the word before <laughs> was like, a ton of turbulence. We're not going to let you out of your seat. So, 
And so we're flying and we're like, I want to go over Spain, we go over France. Like when we get the middle of France, that's when it really starts going. Like drop 5,000 feet, drop 7,000 feet. We're like, we're like, we're going to die. And while we're doing this, there's a couple, they're like, this is all inclusive. We're supposed to get all the drinks we want the whole time. And they're like getting out of their seats as people are like flying up and down. Like, sir, sit down. You can't be here. Like, no, you have to give us alcohol. That's what you were told we're going to get. We paid for it. And if you're not going to do it, we want our money back. And, And everyone's like, sit down, dude, what the hell? And we're all just like, I hope we freaking survive this. And we land in Cologne. Like, we're living in Berlin. So we land in Cologne. And, like, we're all, like, no one's talking except the guys are like, we want more alcohol. And then they, they do this, like, 20-minute thing about, hey, um, well, afterwards, I read, like, it's one of those things where you're first learning language, like, really well, and you're living and they're like, I get kind of what they're saying, but wait a minute, what did they just say? And you realize that it's too late. So they had this whole spiel about, yeah, so the hurricane, all that kind of stuff, the plane's okay, we can still fly. <laughs> um, but But if you'd like, we will get you the train from Cologne to Berlin, so you don't have to fly. I'm like, and, I, and, like, and that's what they said. I'm like, I'm like, wait, did they just say like the plane can still fly, but if you want to take the train, you can't. And so by the time we kind of register, I'm like, hey, could we? They're like, oh, we're closed door. Too late. Bye. We already decided. They close the door. We're going. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Luckily, it was funny because the rest of the flight was told that that second flight to jump the hop to Berlin was fine. But that one, that was scary because it was, I mean, we're serious drop. Like, you know, like if you weren't all locked in, someone's breaking their neck or oh, yeah. the feeling kind of stuff like that. That was a really scary one. Um, let's see. There's a couple of times we've had the last minute right before you land take off because we almost you know ran into another plane. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so that was that. But that one, that was the one I was like, this is it. We're done. So as a business teacher and a marketing guy, what are your thoughts on, uh, are you a travel hacker? Do you use the points, the miles and all that stuff? So I always tell, I mean, this is one of my big advice, whatever hotel you're going to go stay at, whatever airline you're going to go with, get their miles, sign up for their bonus program. Cause you never know when they give out free stuff for random, random ideas, or it might be a discount. Like, Oh, this week only we have like super low prices for super low points you have to use to get this flight or get this hotel, have them. But here's the thing, collecting them, it's not like stocks where they appreciate, they depreciate in value. So you want to use them. So like I have a lot of stuff with um, with the Hilton, the Hilton, like um, honors Hilton points. Honors, so whenever we have, like we host Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving. So like, you know, my family's here and then my parents are here and my in-laws are here. My other in-laws are here. You know, we got cousins coming. I'm like, we can't fit everybody here. And I so what I do is I use my points to get hotels for my friends. I'm not using it, but you know what? It is worth it to spend it on them because my mother-in-law is like, no, you can't spend money. We'll sleep in the car. I'll sleep on the couch. I'll sleep on the floor. I'm like, you are 75 years old. You are not sleeping on a couch. You are not sleeping. You are sleeping in a bed at a hotel. Okay. We'll have breakfast ready for you in the morning. All right. So I use my <laughs> points for that. Um, another thing I think is important when you have your points with airlines, you want to be careful where you what flights you use it for because it's if it's a flight that's only like $300, why are you wasting your points on that? Use it for like yeah. your trip to Australia or to Europe or better yet, when you have your ticket, a lot of times they'll try to upsell you an upgrade, you know, and so you could use your miles to get that upgrade. And maybe you don't need like I fly from Champagne to Atlanta. It's an hour and a half flight. I don't need to upgrade to first class. But when I go from Atlanta to Tel Aviv, uh, that's when you yeah, want it. Like, yeah. 
that I, I'm going to upgrade that part, you know, just so I have that one. So, and then I don't need it when I fly back. It's like we fly back from Athens to out to London to New York. I'm like, I don't, none of those flights are super long. I don't really need, yeah. maybe I'll do the, the, to New York part, but I don't need to use my points. So you can use it more judicious, judiciously and get more bang out of your points, but you got to use them. Yeah. There's a whole system of that, but I, I usually don't even bother to check my miles if it's under, if I can buy it for under like 500 or $600, I don't usually, it's usually not yeah, worth it. Here. It's usually I'm not, not worth it. I'm like, no, I'm like, it's, it, it's, for example, we were in the Dominican Republic, we use points because the flights were like $1,500 to go there on President's Day weekend. And I'm like, well, points wise, that's actually not very money. Points, have to, let's just do the points. Like right, It right. was like, usually it doesn't work that way, but it was one of those times. Okay, well, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to uh, do a speed round with you. And I'm going to throw out a country at you. And just give me a uh, a town or a region you recommend that, you know, not the obvious. If I say France, you can't say just Paris. That's that's too easy. So something that may we may not know. Okay. Um, Italy. Italy. Go to the Puglia region. It's that's the the heel of the, the heel of the boot. We've got the heel of the boot. Bari is the big city there. That's where you're going to come in. But Bari's got some cool stuff to do. You have the the little Orecchi, which is the ear passes there. There's some really nice museums. But when you're there, what you want to do is you want to do a day trip. You want to go out to Matera, which is where they like people have been living there for like ten thousand years. Like some crazy. Like they built there's there's built there's buildings built into the caves. Like it's an incredible thing. If you saw the last last James Bond, that's where they buried James Bond. Yeah. If you ever watched the Cash of the Christ, that's where they filmed it. Like that's an actual place you can go to. It's incredible. Alberto Bello, which is right by there, they've got these truly houses which look like it, seriously. You think you're on Mars, like a Mars colony <laughs> when you see them. Super cool. But what's really good is to go to Pugliano Amare. It's a really great beach town that usually only Italians go to. It hasn't been discovered yet, but it's starting to get discovered. So that would cool. be a good thing there. So that would okay. be a, a little thing for you. How about Japan? Japan. Oh, I mean, it's it's a bigger one, but Kyoto, you can never pass up just because you have so many UNESCO World Heritage Site um, like temples there you can see. But also it's like the Manga Museum is there as well. So you, that's the one where you really see that <laughs> dichotomy of the futuristic Japan, but also the historical Japan that people love. Mexico. Mexico. <laughs> Guadalajara. Really? Huge city. Huge city. Um, watch it when you go there, but there's still historical stuff to see in town, but there's so many markets and great food to have. I'd recommend getting lingua, get tongue, like a tongue sandwich when you're there. That was my favorite thing I had when I was there. Okay. Um, Thailand. I have not been to Thailand. So what? I cannot get any advice. I on. cannot believe that. That's well, shocking we, to me. So the, the Thailand trip was literally, I was, it was one of those, we're going to book on Monday and then on Sunday, my host family in Brazil called me and said their son is getting married. Ah. So that two thousand that that trip turned into a summer in from a summer in Southeast Asia to a summer in Brazil and Argentina. Okay, well, how about uh, Brazil? Brazil, um, Ouro Preto and the Minas Gerais. is the state. Ouro Preto is a is a colonial city in, in Brazil. It is beautiful. You can really see the historic architecture there. But there's a lot of really cool day trips to go around there. You can take a train to Mariana, which is a nice little even smaller town to go to. You can go to uh, Tres Corazones. That's where Paley was born. They have a little statue of him there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a bunch of other places you can go see when you're there. Another great place to go. If you're in ecotourism, Bonito, Brazil, in Mato Grosso do Sul. It's in the south 
south middle they call it the southwest or whatever but it's like south middle of brazil if you want like you you float around in these perfect little pools and rivers and the jacare like the little alligators are all around there at the same time you're like oh that's not real and then you're like floating by and you're like oh i'm floating to the mouth like yeah as long as you don't land in their mouth you're okay they won't come after you <laughs> it always like the current flows right to them so so that's another great fun oh, thing cool. to do all right and finally what do you think all this travel and all that you've seen around the world has taught you about people, about yourself, and about the world in general. What have you learned? What have I learned? I, I've learned that we're not really different. As much as people want to say, oh, we're different everywhere. They're not like us. That's BS. Like, I've gone around the world. I've, I, I've drank beers with people all over the world. I've talked about family life. I've talked about, I mean, everyone hates getting cable. Everybody hates paying their tax. Everybody hates, like, <laughs> there's certain things we all have, like, this common things within us. And you start to see us, there's not really a lot of differences out there. You know, like, we can all get along because, in the end, I want to have a better life with my kids or my nieces and nephews. I want to have a happy life. I want to have a good time. I want to eat good food. I want to feel safe. We all want that. And you start to see it's like, huh, all these things you see on TV, like you were saying, like the propaganda against Nicaragua or Brazil or whatever about the safety stuff. You're like, wait, people are saying these things because one, people, people, that's why I have the don'ts videos. People don't go for positivity, they go for negativity. And so once you start traveling, realizing, hey, you know what? We can all get along. Like, and, and things aren't weird, things are just different, you know. And once you start having that mentality, your eyes open up, your heart opens up more. And you just enjoy life more. You enjoy seeing the world more. And you start appreciating those differences that are out there a bit more, too. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for doing this. And uh, I should have people give uh, out all your social media and where get your plugs in. Where can people find you? Sure. So if you want to check us out, you can go to our website at waltersworld.com. <laughs> it's Walters with an O, W-O-L-T-E-R-S, world.com. If you want to read the blogs, if you want to see the videos on YouTube, it's at Walters World. If you like Instagram and TikTok, it's also at Walters World. If you want to see us on Twitter, at Walters World. Maybe you're a Pinterest person, <laughs> at Walters World. Hey, maybe you want to be a little more professional. There's also Walters World on LinkedIn as well. So pretty much any social media, you can find us at Walters World. And uh, if you have any questions, any advice, anything, please pop on. We always like comments. We like people to write. Help out other travelers as well. That's awesome. And stay on. I'm going to talk to you afterwards. But I appreciate you doing this. And uh, that's awesome. And we're going to check you. Walter's World, everybody. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much. You have a great day.